What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Optimal Life, episode one with Beanie Wells, the former All-American running back at the Ohio State University and the former first-round draft pick of the Arizona Cardinals in 2009. I found my hour-long conversation with Beanie to be insightful, candid, and inspirational, and I believe you will find it to be the same. It really exceeded all of my expectations. You will see how this man has carried with him his entire life a warrior mentality, and you'll get a feeling for the type of individual he is, a great person of high character, a family man, a man who really, really always wanted to make sure that he was at his best, that he was at his optimal. So sit back, relax, enjoy the episode, the first episode of many more to come, and please welcome the one and only Chris Beanie Wells. All right, man. We are officially live on the Optimal Life. Thanks for joining us, man. No Thanks problem. Thanks for being here. This is great. Optimal Life. The Optimal Life. <laughs> Where'd you get the name from? You know what? Uh, I just like the the word optimal. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I just like just just trying to find the something. You remember the optimal euphoria stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just something about about being your best self, right? And uh, just kind of stuck with the optimal it's been one of those words for mm-hmm. me so you know we'll go with it gotcha <laughs> we're gonna run with it uh appreciate you man being our first guest this is this is awesome and maybe i'll inspire you too to uh start your own podcast back in columbus no, you already did man. you already got me actually about the equipment man. i love the setup man yeah appreciate yeah. you having me on and uh anytime i can do anything for you you know i'm just a phone call appreciate away appreciate it man thank you so much so we actually people probably uh, you know we met back uh, 2009. Yeah. After the draft, mm-hmm. um, people don't know. I, I was actually in the in the agent business, representing NFL players on the dark side. On the dark side, <laughs> right? As right. they call it. And they, that dark side can try to pull you back every once in a while. So, uh, but uh, yeah, we met. Um, it was it was a few months after the draft. Mm-hmm. I think it was going that summer after you were drafted. We represented Cody Brown. And uh, we also represented the year, couple years, a year or two prior, Larry Grant. Mm-hmm. I think it was the year prior. Yep, year prior. So um, we were doing a players rep for the for the agency trip out to Vegas and invited a bunch of guys. And I think you came along. Mm-hmm. So that's for for those who don't know, that's how Beanie and I know each other. And it was a hell of a time. The rest is the rest. <laughs> the rest is history. Right. You know? Um, so man, thank you so much for being here. I, I really want to get into, uh, again, the, the, the theme of the show, people don't know yet, cause it's going to just be getting, getting launched, but it's about anything we can do, uh, or, or in my conversations with the guests to inspire people, to show them some different sides of things they might not be aware of. Um, you know, any, t- anything that can be a positive impact on them, then they may be able to take away and say, damn, that's, that's, I, I could use that. And, and as I, told you before the show and i told you this week the big thing for me is getting into ultimately getting into the how to transition from pro life pro sports life right into we'll call real world life Mm -hmm. and that to me is something that's barely ever talked about and uh something that that most most players that i've seen struggle with you know in some shape or form right same here i mean guys get so wrapped up in football being their whole identity like what the hell do I do next when once that's taken away and right. a lot of times unfortunately I mean guys don't know how to separate the real world versus what you used to do and not letting that consume you entirely right. uh, so it's the toughest thing in the world for some, certain guys to digest that I'm no longer in this same light people don't look at me the same because I'm no longer representing that favorite NFL team that they cheer for I'm not making the same money so how do I uh, shift my life and how I deal with just everyday living from taking care of families to, to spending money uh, to budgeting. I mean, exactly. they don't know how to do any of that shit. I mean, because right. once you're making all that, it's easy to go out and do whatever you want to do when you know you got a $30,000 check coming in next week. And it's easy to kind of, essentially, for a lot of these guys, to, to poo-poo on people because they're making that money. Right. But then once it's all taken away, you take a step back, you got to face reality. And yeah. it's hard as hell for a lot of individuals. So so let's let's get into that. Let's back up a little bit and then we'll get, ultimately get into that cuz cuz that is that's what I see too, especially, you know, the big paychecks. Mm-hmm. And, and almost just taking it for granted, you know, you when you're in that moment, 
and you're doing, you know, you're making a big pay and you've got all these people surrounding you and you're on top of the world, you probably don't even realize how fortunate you are in that moment, in that very moment at, in time until maybe looking back, uh, you know, post-career when, when all those bright lights go away. So to, to build up to that, um, to build up to that, let's talk about, for example, for, let's talk about you, for example. Uh, so you're coming out of high school from Akron Garfield, yep. right? Mm -hmm. Akron Garfield, probably the top recruit or one of the top recruits in the state, or if not the country. Yeah, right? I mean, at that out, point yeah. in time, I mean, after the All-American game, I was the number one recruit yeah. in the country after this time. That's and amazing. this was, I, Tim Tebow was, and after the Army All-American game, I jumped him. There you go. Recruit, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, so so that, that that and that's good company. So it's you and Tebow are coming up as the two top guys, mm -hmm. and. What is that process like? First off, with with going go playing college uh, high school football at a you know well renowned school, being the man, being one of the top recruits. What's that experience like from a, as a high schooler, and what's that experience like when teams and head coaches at all these colleges people are starting to come come talk to you? You know, initially I'm just playing football just to play football because I like the game, mm -hmm. I love the sport. Um, then when you start getting kind of a little bit of notoriety. People are starting to take notice to you being an exceptional athlete, you being pretty good. And when, once you hear everybody talking about you, you start to kind of take a step back and listen to it and look at it and kind of evaluate it for what it is. Like, damn, I, mean, <laughs> I am yeah. this good at You're this like, point in time. Man, exactly. Man. So you, you begin to kind of, you know, feed off the people. You kind of ride that wave that everybody's talking about. Uh, and how good of an athlete you are and how good you can be. And that's starting at like 16 years old, Exactly, right? 15, 16, For me, it started I mean, when I was 13 years 13. old. 13. So, so this mean, is starting in junior high school. Exactly. Right? So so people are going, holy shit, you're the man. You know, people are kissing your ass, I'm sure. You know, you're walking the halls in, in high school, and, and you go from you go from ninth period or whatever the last period of the day right. is. And then you get home, and Jim Tressler or whoever's sitting in your, in your fat, right? I mean, can you, can you get into, like, how, what's that whole recruiting process? Yeah, I mean, like, that's know? pretty much how it was. I mean, you know, once I got to about the 10th grade, that's when, you know, college coaches, the Jim Tressels of the world, the Glenn Masons at the time, he was at Minnesota, right. were showing up at my high school on a consistent basis. And, man, that was a whirlwind. I mean, that made yeah. me realize, like, man, this thing is real, and there is some potential to it. I don't think I fully grasped it entirely. Um, at that point in time, but knowing that, you know, this is where Maurice Claret goes to school. This is where Lawrence Maroney and Marion Barber go to school at being right. Minnesota at that time. Right, right, right. And knowing that I play the same position, I got a chance to do what they're doing. That's what's registered in my mind at the time. I'm like, oh, man, this is pretty sweet. Yeah, I'm loving yeah. it. So to, for me, though, personally, it made me work harder because I wanted to be in those guys' positions. And I never wanted to kind of be one of those individuals that let people down in terms of, if you were going to talk highly about me, I wanted to uphold everything that you just said, awesome. if not more. Right. So it made me grind a little bit harder and uh, and work towards something um, that I wanted. But That's in the right. same sense, once you step away from you know the the coaches and the football field, hell, when you're the man and you got all these college coaches and you're in a high school that has had some phenomenal athletes yeah. and they got a long lineage of it. Um, you start to feel yourself a little bit in yeah. the classroom. Yeah. The girls walking the halls, yeah. they're looking at you a little bit different. And I was a bummy <laughs> kid. I didn't have, I mean, I didn't get my first pair of Jordans until I got to college. Right. Okay. All right. <laughs> so well, I was a raggedy kid, but I'm getting a little bit of more attention. Well, hey, man, the, ra the raggedy <laughs> never looks so good, I guess. Walking up and down those halls, it, 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 does, it does start to change quickly, exactly. right, man? It gets, it starts to change and. You know, you, you become the man and everyone's talking about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're, you're being talked about not only in the state, you're being talked about uh, on a national level. Um, bear with me here. Make sure this is still going. Okay. Um, so, all right. So, you're, you're okay. so, so again, this just for people that are listening, this is kind of painting the light of you could be 13, 14, 16 mm -hmm. years old. You have grown men fiending over you, drooling over you. Hey, you're the greatest thing in the world. Come here. Let me introduce you. You start getting that in high school, right? right. You start getting that in, in high school. So um, you ended up choosing to go to Ohio State, obviously. Right. Good choice. Good choice. And um, and so when you get to Ohio State, talk about a little bit about what that's like being again being the man, being the big man on campus. What's that like? Well, before I get to Ohio State, I got to rewind, man, because there was yeah. a, a little story in there where. I'm being recruited, and I committed to Ohio State pretty early. I think at the beginning of my junior year, I committed to Ohio State. 
but I still wanted to take my visits. So I, I'm talking to Coach Tress about that. You know, I want to make sure. I, I know I'm coming to you guys, but I want to go out and explore different places. He said, take one visit. So this one visit I happened to take was to USC. And at that time, this is when USC was the juggernaut. This is yeah. Reggie Bush, Lindale White, Matt Liner, Liner. Dwayne Jarrett, yeah. Fred Davis. I mean, they had. Is that Carroll uh, coaching the yeah. team then? Yeah. They had yeah. a hell of a team. Yeah. So I go out there on this visit, and, and I'm hanging out with Dwayne Jarrett. Um, and who was a stud wide receiver. I mean, who never really made it in the NFL, but he was a stud. In college, he, he was, was a stud. the man. He was, he was, yeah. And in L.A., these guys had the city by the balls. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't a pro team out there at the time. Yeah, that's a good point. So they were the end-all, be-all. So I'm, I'm hanging out. I'll never forget this night. I go to Matt's and Dwayne Jarrett's uh, place. I got a, a penthouse. Like a legit penthouse up, up in, in the college. hills of Mal- Malibu, just <laughs> it was it was nuts. I had never seen anything like yeah. it coming from Akron. I mean, a right. small yeah. ass town. And this is my first time on an airplane going to Los Angeles, and I remember seeing this this amazing view of Hollywood. Then I remember leaving with Dwayne Jarrett and Fred Davis at the time. And where did we go? And Fred Davis was Ohio uh, yeah. Ohio player yep. too. Yeah, where did we pull up to? We pull up to the Playboy Mansion. So. It's almost as good as brothers in Columbus. I, I, exactly. I, 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 I get it. <laughs> so you pull up to the Playboy Mansion at, heck, 17, 16 years old. I'm like, holy shit. What the hell is this? So you're, you're a, this, this, going into, this is your senior this year senior. at this point. Okay. My senior at this point. Yeah. So I'm like, what the hell is this? I mean, this is a like, this crazy is life. This is what I could have if I come to USC. Anyways, long story short, we go through. So you guys go into the, into the mansion. You oh, guys go, go in. We go into the mansion, and we... Uh, and we you enjoy we, yourself. We enjoy ourselves. We see a lot of different things out there. But long story short, I get to the next morning. I'm sitting at Pete. Car- I'm sitting with Pete Carroll, and we are at I think it's is it Manhattan Beach? We're at a restaurant right on Manhattan Beach, and I'm like, I'm coming to USC. I'm committing at this point in time. I'm telling him, you know, I'm I'm decommitting from Ohio State. I told Coach Carroll's face. I'm calling my mom and dad right now. And no I'm telling them I'm not going to Ohio State. And this, and you've already given trust your word that you're going to Ohio no State. Question. And your whole family knows you're going My to Ohio State. My whole family. And this was yeah. just a visit for me to go out and just to have get a chance to go weekend. to L.A. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I get on the phone. I call my mom. Mom, I got good news. I'm going to USC. She is fuming. Yeah. Passes the phone. My dad, Pop, I'm coming to USC. I don't care what nobody says. This is where I'm going. My mom gets on the phone with Coach Carroll. I don't know what she says to him, but I see a look on his face. I get back on the phone with my mom, and she is going berserk. Going berserk. Wow. Long story short, Wow. by the time I got off the plane, I was decommitted to you from USC after I had just committed, yeah, just, back yeah. committed to Ohio State, <laughs> and the story never even got any legs to it because – Hell, my mom didn't let it happen. Right. So, but, have you ever shared that? You've shared that story before. I yeah, not I in, not in detail, but yeah, I, I told the story uh, briefly before. Yeah. Now, now that you're a few years removed from the exactly, NFL, you, you, can, you can look back <laughs> and laugh. But hey, man, that that is exactly what what the recruiting process. That that's exactly what it's all about, man. You know, is going and exploring and mm-hmm. seeing, and, and the guys that live by the you know by the ocean and by the Playboy Mansion, they're going to use that to their advantage. Oh, man. And those guys, they probably were told to take you guys to 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 the Playboy Mansion or show you guys a good time or, you know, just just to make you feel, hey, this could be my life. Right. I mean, then I remember being out there and Snoop Dogg showing up at the practice facility, and I mean, if you got celebrities coming to your practice facility on a consistent basis, yeah. And this How was is, back when you were. This goes back what, about twelve years ago, exactly thirteen years ago, something like that, right? No question and, about yeah. it. And this is when you know these guys these are guys at the, on top of the world. At that no point. doubt. Yeah. I mean, if you got guys like that showing up at your practice facility, saying, you know what, this is what you can come be a part of. You mean to tell me I can have a personal relationship with Snoop Dogg or Will Ferrell? Right. Why wouldn't I? That's amazing. So I mean, that's it was amazing, wild man. at that's that time. Amazing. But I, I imagine looking back, you, you're happy that you made you made the right choice. No question about it. O h i o all day all, long. All day. <laughs> um, so and okay, so that that's the thing. So you're that that even lends more credence to this whole thing because you're 17, 18 years old. You're at the Playboy Mansion. Most people will never get there in their entire lifetime. You're seeing things. You're being introduced to people. You're living a life. You know, you're living a good life. Everyone's coming at you. Mm-hmm. So then you go to Ohio State. Now you become a star running back in your sophomore season. You know, freshman year you were people knew who you were, but right. you know you're getting you're getting used to it. You know, you and Pitt were still yeah. sharing time, mm-hmm. right? Yep, he was getting the lion's share of the kids. Yeah. You know, I was the backup. Yeah, and then and then he left. Right. He left early, and then your second year, 
boom, you know, the, you you blow up, and then you only you played two more years. Yeah, two more years because you came out early. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, t- tell tell us a little bit more about um, what that's like being the star running back at, at the Ohio State University. It was crazy. It was uh, it was a hell of a time, but it was it was definitely for me. I was one of those guys. Um, Brian Werbisky is my my best friend, and Brian yeah. obviously played for the Browns and grew up around here chagrin. Um, right, exactly. So I, I was a guy that hung out with Brian, and we were so – this is our first year starting, his first year starting, um, being the number one receiver, and my first year being the – Was this your, soft, your my sophomore, sophomore year? year. Yep. Yeah. Being the starting running back. So that year we were so ultra-focused on, all right, we got to go out and we got to prove our coach is right. And we got a ball this year. Because Same mentality you had back in high school. Exactly. Kept it, kept, you know, kept it with you. You don't want to let anyone down. No, no right. question about it. I mean, yeah. So we got to go out and ball. And, uh, you know, so it was a little bit different in terms of, you know, not really being able to, well, I want to say not really being able to do anything, but not having that mentality that, you know what, I'm the big man on campus here because I always had a chip on my shoulder knowing that I got to prove somebody right or I got to prove somebody wrong in this situation because everybody, for every one person that says you're going to be, the greatest thing since sliced bread. There's two more others saying you, you ain't shit. So, I mean, exactly. you exactly. had to keep that in the perspective. So, I was kind of a grinder in that sense. Um, but I remember the first game of that year, we were playing Youngstown State. Youngstown is my first time starting. Youngstown State, I'm getting ready to tear yeah. a hole in their ass. That's yeah, what I'm like thinking. playing the JV team, right? No I question think, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that year, also, we had got a running back who had just won a Mr. Football by the name of Brandon Sane. That yes. came in that year, and I think he was the number one player in the state. But it didn't matter to me whatsoever. Right. I remember getting ready to go into this game. I'm getting ready to tear Youngstown State up. Fast forward to the end of the game, I have 16 carries for 40 yards. One of the worst games of my career, and I felt this big because all going into it, I trained hard, I prepared, and I just knew this was going to be that game where I kind of burst on the scene and, yeah. you know, kind of made yeah, my... Yeah, this was like your coming out party. I, I this knew I was going to have it. Young stuff, Did 250 not happen. 250-yard, <laughs> three touchdowns. That's what you had in mind. I'm Did sure. not yeah. happen whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so I remember that whole next week, man, I didn't leave the house. Yeah. It was class football, class football. I was over at the facility working my tail off, thinking there was something that I could have did that made that game better, and it really wasn't. It was just the, the way that it was that game and the way right. the, uh, the ball bounced, essentially. But anyways, after that point in time, that's when I started kind of, you know, finding my groove my sophomore year versus Akron versus Washington. We go out there and have a pretty good game. And that's when I'm starting to kind of notice, oh, shit, this is what it feels like to be a star running back at Ohio State. Yeah. Everybody knows who you are. Yeah. Not just, it. You're not just the jersey number anymore. You're a name with the jersey number. And you're not just a Buckeye. You are essentially becoming your own brand at that point in time. And, I mean, that's when, you know, I started kind of, noticing certain things that I could do and I couldn't do right, on, on campus right, and things right. that I could get away with and I couldn't. Um, but it was a hell of a time, and It yeah, was a no, hell I, of I a ride imagine. at that point in time once you feel like you kind of almost arrived, essentially. Right. So and, that's and that comes after what, like a few games into the season, your second sophomore year? Yeah, yep. You, you're, you're doing well. You're rushing over 100 yards, a game, pretty much a game. Mm-hmm. You're scoring one or two touchdowns a game. What is it like? You know, three, four, five games into the season, you start feeling, "Hey, man, this is different, right?" Like I go to Eddie George's for lunch, and I can't really go there anymore without people saying, "Dude, I loved you." you know, exactly. Hey, man. <laughs> right. So that—that's when it really starts to change to oh, ch- for someone in your position. No, no question about it. I mean, you get a couple of games back to back to where, you know, you're the lead dog, you're the guy, and, right. and you're balling and making plays for the team, and you're winning. I mean, that yeah. does it right there, yeah. and then. Not to fast forward through the sophomore year, but to catapult it after the sophomore year, after right. the sixteen hundred yard season, and we after go to killing Michigan. Exactly after right. killing Michigan right. that year, I think I had at that point in time the most yards for any running back versus Michigan in a game, and Amazing. that was a two hundred yard game. So after all that, yeah. now I was like, okay, I'm a household name at right. the end of this year. So now you're really thinking completely different because. It's not only that I can't go on Eddie George's, but at this point, I can't walk to class. Right. So I'm That's having crazy. to take a shuttle to class no or shit. to hop in one of those carts and get dropped off at the classroom. So it was really completely different. I mean, that's just the power of Ohio State that's and how much people love that university and what you can do. I mean, what you can do for that university when you're on a football field. So what, how do you stay grounded? I mean, how do you, what, what kind of advice do you get that you use for yourself 
to stay grounded in that situation for these other guys that are going through that right now? What do you do so that you don't get so wrapped up in it, if, if, if it's even possible? You know, you know? At, at certain times, it's probably always going to creep in the back of your mind that, like, you know what, I can go out and do this if I want to. Right. But for me, it was the, the fact that, you know what, I always wanted to prove somebody wrong. And I always wanted to prove somebody right, essentially. Um, so I was I was a grinder. Yeah. And I never got caught up in it too much. I mean, there were a, a couple of nights that I, I probably did a little bit too much when right. I was in college. But, right. I mean, that's we every all, college student. We all do, right. man. <laughs> Even the ones that are going to be, you know, scientists and doctors and everything else one day. That's Exactly. Like, you got you to have some fun. No, but it, it was main so, you know, focused on the task at hand. No one, all right, yeah, I went to Ohio State to get an education, but education – to be quite honest, was secondary. Absolutely. It was like, I'm going to Ohio State to go to the National Football League. Right, absolutely. I want to go ball. I want to be a household name in college, and I want to end my career uh, in college getting drafted in the first round and being a top overall pick and then going to the Hall of Fame. That's absolutely. what the mentality was. So you that have was the, to, though. You have exactly, to have that, that was the driving factor. You have factor. to have that, you know, or else you're not going to be successful. You right. Know, you're not going to reach your, your truest success. If you don't have that... Man, it's I'm, it's never good enough mentality. Mm-hmm. Almost, we're like, there's always something better, or, you know, I, I I can do this better next time. Hey, man, I only I rushed, rushed for 50 yards against Youngstown State. I'm gonna grind my ass away in the gym, even if I, even if it was all scheming and play calling. And, right. And, but if you if you have that mentality of complacency too, you'll never become a mm-hmm. you'll you'll never be successful. You might become a first or second round draft pick just through talent in college. Right. But when you get to the the elite levels, man. That stuff, everyone's on the same playing field. Exactly. It's all mental at that point. No so, question about it. So, <clears throat> so, okay, so then their junior season, like, you can't even go to, like, what do you do about class? I mean, people are, when you go to class, are people asking you for autographs? Oh, what, what happens? What is this life? It's autographs. Shed light, shed light <laughs> onto, this, onto this life that most of us all wish we would have lived <laughs> growing up, you know? I mean, it's autographs <laughs> galore, and then it's pictures. I mean, this is when picture phones had just got popular right. at this, this point is, in time. This is pre-iPhone, way pre-iPhone. This oh, is not yeah. even, fa- well, Facebook probably just started Facebook had around. just started my freshman year in like 06. But at this point in time, you know, Facebook was only for college students. Right, exactly. Nobody else was allowed on Facebook outside of college students. Um, so, yeah, man, this was, and I'm glad, I'm fortunate for that. Cause right. Because <laughs> had Facebook been what yeah. it is right now, yeah. Yeah. I probably wouldn't be sitting here talking right, to Right, exactly. <laughs> um, so, so people are coming up to you. Left and right, mm-hmm. and you go to class. People want to do pictures with the BlackBerry phones, whatever. Exactly, phones they were BlackBerry using. Blackberry and the Palm, Palm Pilot was the big thing back there. Palm Pilots, yep. yeah. Amazing how f- much it's changed since then, man. Oh, exactly. Ten years, ten, twelve years. It's just, it's crazy. I mean, it's, you it's remember uh, Aim? Did you have a Sidekick back in the day? I never had one. So, yeah. well, BlackBerry and a Sidekick. Everybody would use Aim, the Instant Messenger. Instant Messenger, yep. yeah, AIM, yep. yeah, uh-huh. AIM, of course, man. man I, I was, used to use it on my computer, on my phone. You know what's funny? I just yeah. got an email from <laughs> Aim last week. They were shutting down everybody Aim account uh, due to AOL and you know something that they were switching Crazy. over. But it's yeah. nuts. And, and you're and you're like, okay, right, I, exactly. I, 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 don't, I, I don't even know who you know. I forgot that you ever <laughs> existed, man. Right. Um, so junior season, you're. The biggest star uh, on mm-hmm. campus, clearly, one of the big big names in the country at this point, right? In college football, um, so take us through that. Take us through the junior season and what your men- mentality is as you start looking ahead to, you know, possibly leaving Ohio State early. Going, well, going I forward. mean, I remember a conversation I had with Coach Tressa, um, and this was at the time that I was getting recruited. After, uh, matter of fact, it was after signing day. Um, I remember going down with my mom and him. He was like, you know what, the plan is for you to always come here for four years and get a degree and have a great football career. But the goal is to always, first and foremost, to win a bunch of football games and to be out of here in three years. I want you to have that mentality that you're going to be that good of a player here, that you're going to be done in three years. So you heard that from the beginning? From the beginning. Nice. From the beginning, from Coach Trestle. Right. So hearing this from him saying, you know what, I want players. and It made sense because – Hell, if he has guys that are going to be going in three years, that means he got some hell of a football players, some great players, Absolutely. and Absolutely. some great teams. And you know what? What I can't stand are the people uh, that say, Yo, get your education, finish. You know what? The education, Ohio <laughs> State will be there in three years, five years, ten years from now. Exactly. It's been around but, 100 years. But, right, you know what I mean? <laughs> but or, or and if it's not Ohio State, it's somewhere else. You right. get that paper. But when it comes to your one once-in-a-lifetime opportunity mm-hmm. to take advantage of your physical gifts – 
You have to do it, man. Right. You're talking about millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. So anyone that says, oh, get your, why don't you go into, the, let's see you or one of your kids in that situation. Right. Then you come tell me exactly. what you would do. You know? I'm going to so, go back to go get a degree because that degree means everything. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. So so the mentality was for you was, hey, man, I could be potentially a pro football player right. uh, by the time I would otherwise be a senior in college. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, at this point now, after my sophomore year, Going into my junior season, the whole offseason was just grind mode. Me, Brian Robisky, Lawrence Wilson, and Boom Heron was at that time was this there. In Columbus? The in Columbus, time? yeah. Okay. We, 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 this year, I didn't take summer classes. You know, normally every kid takes summer class because you want to get the, yeah. the paycheck that go along with the summer right. class. Like a stipend. Exactly. Kind of, right? um, I didn't take summer school. It was straight grind mode workout because I'm out of here after the football season. Um, so I went into it my last year with that mentality that I was going to be done. Um, because I wanted to, hey, I'm broke, I'm poor, I'm coming from Akron. I got 10 brothers and sisters at home, That's a lot wild. of them younger. I knew what it was going into the situation about, yeah. you know, what I could potentially do and how I could take care of my family. So it was like, you know what, go and grind, don't do anything else. Worry about, you know, being in the best shape you can be and putting yourself in the best situation that you can be for this season. So Absolutely. when draft time comes around, you're one of those names that's called. And then you ended up having a huge year. I mean, you had a, right? You had a, so did you get hurt? You got hurt I did. Two games, right? I did. Yeah. I, uh, versus Youngstown State in the Youngstown, first game man, of the year. Stay away from Youngstown right. State, man. <laughs> <laughs> this game, I had lit their ass up in the first half. So I was happy about there that. You go, right. <laughs> in retrospect, I probably wish I wouldn't have came out in the second half because we were killing those guys, anyways. I come out, I get turf toe. Oh, and, shit. you know, more so than going, not even more so, but very close with going to the National Football League was a goal of winning the Heisman Trophy. Right. And I get right. off to a great start, but then I miss three games. <clears throat> One of the biggest being a USC game. We traveled to USC that year. Uh, we ended up getting our asses kicked, and I didn't play in that game. Um, and you didn't meet Jarrett at the uh, mansion for no, no. <laughs> food and drinks. Exactly, game, no. Okay. <laughs> not at all. But, yeah, uh, that was one of the games where I, I missed that game and I missed two more. And that, had to be the, that was probably, what, like a second or third game of the season? Yeah, that was like an out-of-conference game like that early on, right? That was the that was the second game of the year. Yeah. Yep. So second that would have been a huge – I'm sure it was big nationally televised oh, moment. no question. Know, I mean, it was – Junior season, this is – yeah. That had to be tough. That it was. Really I mean, tough. it was – Definitely one of those moments like, wow. I mean, this thing could happen at this point. I mean, I had ankle injuries and stuff like that, but I had never missed a game due to injury. Right. So I'm thinking that stuff won't happen to me. So finally right. getting to that point where it happens, I mean, it made you take a step back and realize you probably ought to look at things a little bit differently from here on out. And that was kind of, for me, a saving grace moving forward. Okay. It was certainly for the rest of my career, knowing that certain things had the potential to happen. Right. Um, Definitely made me evaluate things a little bit differently. But this USC team, this is when they had, hell, Ray Montalua, Clay Matthews, Brian Cushion. Oh yeah, uh, you were, you were Mark go, Sanchez. All, all, the, all the big uh, linebackers that you were going to be you know, going at it exactly. with. Exactly. You know? So I wanted yeah. to play in this game more than any other game yeah. in my college career. No doubt. So it no was doubt. devastating. Tough. Certainly, That'd definitely. Be tough. So uh, you're out a few games junior season, mm -hmm. and then you come back. What is it like week four or five, something like that? It's, it's probably like week five. And, I come and back. Is that like the longest month of your life too? Because you're thinking to yourself, "Shit, the NFL's watching." And they exactly. See that, and they they see my stats are zero for zero every single oh, week. Oh man, like, you know what's that? Those few weeks had to be tough. Oh, it was devastating, man. Yeah. One, I mean, not only worrying about the NFL, I wanted to win the Heisman Trophy. Right. So I wanted right. to have that. That dream went went away quick, right? I real mean, quick. Yeah. And even yeah. when I came back, I still was using that as motivation. You know what? If I get two hundred yards here, ever, exactly. Be the first one to play like you know fifty percent, sixty percent of the <laughs> right. season. Right. Hey, you never know. <laughs> I like that. That's good. Right. So, so I was using that as motivation that year. Yeah. So you come back and then you tear it. I mean, you end up tearing it up the second half of the season. Yeah. And uh, um, big big game over Michigan again, right? Mm -hmm. Big win over Michigan again. Yep. So so you know that you're. At what point do you? I mean, what point do you know that you're going pro? You probably thought it all along, right? Do you ever start thinking to yourself, like you know, when you're sitting out weeks two through four, five, you might not go pro? Like, how does that all? Or you no, just had it in the that you were going to do it? I, I knew I was going to do it even at that point in time because yeah. you, you had people creeping in, and this is the. the Sorry for cussing so much. Oh, no, hey, man, this is the, fuck shit, you know, whatever we <laughs> This is say. the shitty part about college football and college sports in general yeah. is that you got this whole outside group of people that are pinpointing these college athletes trying to get into their minds and trying to be the first agent or the first 
uh, financial advisor to, you know, have the ends with them. Right. So I had those guys telling me, don't play. Don't come back. Really? Rest up a little bit. Yeah, the team. The NFL healthy. knows that you're that exactly. you the ball. Exactly. Well, hey, listen, Cardell came out after what a couple didn't he? Right. No, he, he, see, he ended up coming back the next. Oh, year. he came back. He came back. He was, but he was considering coming. He probably should have come out exactly. after those two games. Man. <laughs> probably should have took his ass off. Uh, I mean, right. Exactly. The less tape they have to evaluate, the better. That's what happens, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so talk about that a little bit for people that don't know, because I, I I saw it from our perspective, the uh, agent recruiting process. Mm-hmm. What in the world is that like? You went through recruiting a few years prior with high school right. to college, from the college teams to, you know, you're at the play with the whole story. Now, it's like, this This has to be, for, from a somebody like your standpoint, having to deal with agents, right. financial people, people you don't even know who the fuck they are. Who's, mm-hmm. Who are these people calling me? What is that like, man? I mean, it's, it's tough as hell. It is. I mean, because you got people that, like you said, you don't even know, finding ways to get your phone number. Finding ways to find out where you live. Grown men showing up outside of my apartment. I'm like, what the hell is this? I never met you a day in my life. Never talked to you. Don't even know who you are. You come are. home and there's guys sitting waiting around in my driveway. For you. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I'm I'm such and such from this company, and you ought to take a look at us. <clears throat> Excuse me, because we have this to offer. Um, as far as an agency and and then financial advisors. Well, if you come with us, you know we'd make sure right off the bat we get you this. Two million dollar line. Of, what the hell do I need a line of credit yeah, for at this point? Right. I, mean, I, right. I don't need to you're buy like, anything. Dude, I, you're like, I have got no money in my account. Exactly. Right now. <laughs> this two million, it doesn't even sound. It doesn't even register yeah, whatsoever. What does this mean? Yeah. So I mean, from that perspective, you got people coming, and you know, for a lot of kids that really don't come from a whole lot, it right, can be mind blowing. When somebody course. says, you know what, I'll get you two million dollars uh, of credit, and you don't even realize the line of credit. You got to pay that shit back in some way. Yeah, you think time. you think it's a gift, exactly. it's a million dollar gift, right? You're not <laughs> right. thinking about it. So I mean, <laughs> preying on the young and naive, right, is what I didn't like about it. But I also liked the fact that you had some guys who made sure you were aware. Some guys that that made sure you knew the ins and outs of how the game worked and how the system worked. But I, I the guys that you ended up meeting through this process. Right. Yeah. Some of those guys were some great. Some of those guys were good. Yeah. Some of those guys. A, no, not, not every. Not all. Slimy. I mean, I mean, fifty percent of them are good. Fifty percent exactly. of them are bad. Like I mean, every other business. Exactly. Yeah. Some of these guys were legit. They made sure. All right. Even if you don't sign with me, these are the things you have to watch out for right. when interviewing certain people. And that's one of the things I did appreciate because it was enlightening for me and my family going through the entire process and figuring out. Okay, which guys. It's trying to use cars. Sell me a used car, right? Or which guys being honest and you know trying to give me the best deal on that used car. So, so who, um, if you had to give advice to these guys again that are going through this stuff mm-hmm. right now, how do you handle this process? I mean, besides trying to change your phone three or four, right. times, Your phone number <laughs> a few times, which I you probably did too because oh, no it's doubt. absurd, you know, but. What's the best piece of advice if you're an athlete going through the agent? Because look, real quick, because you know, from our standpoint, when I was doing this and recruiting, recruiting's the name of the game when it comes to the agent. No question, it's about growing your business. Mm-hmm. The only way you can grow your business is by sitting down with somebody, t- getting a meeting face to face, and right. hope hoping that this person ends up signing with you, working on a relationship, uh, those kind of things. So, from an agent standpoint, that is challenging in and of itself to get in front of the guy because you know. So many of you guys are—you have to be nothing but guarded. Mm-hmm. So you know you might end up having a great opportunity. Hey, listen, man, I could have been calling you, right? And, and, and you weren't going to take my call because you never knew anything. Even though we would have probably hit it off, and, right? And you would have, but you're able to see through people. You know who's phony and who's real and, and, and whatnot. So, for from the agent standpoint, if you're doing it clean, um, and if you're doing it with with integrity, it's tough because you know that there's other guys that are competing for that no same question. gold that are doing it. Not clean and without integrity. So, from a st- from your standpoint, man, how do you handle? What, what's your advice to these guys going through it right now? I mean, for the most part, I mean, it's just one. You always want to have sound people around you. I mean, that always helps when you got somebody around you that kind of knows. But it's, it's hard too because you got a lot of situations where people may come from nothing, right? And they don't have that that sound mind that they can bounce things off of. But I would say the number one thing is to 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 listen, mm. listen carefully because guys will expose themselves that time and you can kind of feel if they're selling you some BS. But the number one thing is do not whatsoever under any circumstance allow anybody to make that decision for you. Don't leave it in the hands of anybody else but you. It's great to listen to people's advice, listen to different opinions, 
but you at the end of the day make that decision That's because a great point. whether you pick the wrong agent, whether you pick the right agent, you can look in the mirror and say, you know what, I made that decision for me moving forward. And, I mean, that's something that, That's you know, a great point. That's a great point. Because you know why? Because people don't realize so many people go through the process mm-hmm. with an advisor that they call. It's a cousin who right. works at the gas station or it's a family member or some friends. Mm-hmm. And everyone, you know, if you start letting too many people in, then everyone's got different, different you know, takes on it. Right. How do you know if, if the agent hasn't gotten to one to your friend who's mm-hmm. supposed to be helping you out? Right. You, you know, you just don't know what's going on. So I think, I mean, that's what I'm taking from it. I think that that's... A tremendous piece of advice is, hey, if you want to have somebody like a parent or something help mm-hmm. you through the process, that's probably a good idea. But this is the person that you, the player, are going to be dealing with. You're going to have a relationship with the agent. Mm-hmm. It is a professional relationship. It's not going to be mom and dad's right. relationship or your your cousin's relationship. It's going to be you once you get to the league. So exactly. That's a great, that's a great piece make of advice. Make sure budget. you make that decision moving forward. No doubt. Um, and you went with uh, DeBartolo. Yeah, I went with DeBartolo. DeBartolo. Yeah. I went with DeBartolo Sports and... Uh, you know, one of the reasons why I went with them is obviously you got the whole DeBartlow, Eddie DeBartlow. They yeah. used to own 49. the 49ers yeah. and all that. Yeah. But that wasn't even the reason. It was the reason because I went with the guy, Adam Heller. Adam Heller was a phenomenal guy. And for me, remember I told you my mentality was a little bit different once I realized that, you know, what injuries can happen. Right. And right, you could right. be out of this thing in a heartbeat. One of the things Adam, and I, and I believed him, but he – Laid out an entire, uh, like, I don't want to say like a monologue or anything like that, but he laid out a plan. All right, if you play this long, this is what can happen next. If you play this long, this is what can happen next. And he's been true to his word. He's kind of helped me along the way kind of figure out some of the things that I would do or some of the things that I'm doing currently post-football. And I think that's one of the things that, uh, you know, guys really need to look at when they're evaluating and picking agents is, all right, yeah, it's, it's great if yeah. you got a guy that's going to be right here with me while I'm a free agent or if I'm a first-round draft pick. Right. But what are you going to do? Because I just paid you a lot of money now. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do for me after I'm done playing? Are we still going to have that friendship? Are we still going to – am I still going to be able to look to you for advice in some Absolutely. direction? Absolutely. And I think that's so critical this day and age. Everybody wants to be around you when you're hot, but who doesn't exactly. want to be around you once that – Exactly, when you're not. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's a great, and that kind of takes us right into it. Um, so you go into the NFL, mm-hmm. uh, first round draft pick, two thousand nine, with Arizona Cardinals. Play for uh, four years mm-hmm. with the Cardinals. Um, your third season, you rush for over a thousand yards. Things are looking great. Fourth season, I think you might have had uh, the beginning of the injury bug again, right? Yeah, you got injured again in the no. fourth season. So in that whole year that I rushed for a thousand yards, my third year. I had a knee injury. Was that Pro Bowl? Did you make Pro Bowl? No, year? I didn't. You didn't. Nope. You should have. That year, I, uh, I had a chance to go in and be an alternate that game, but I elected to have microfracture surgery. So at the end of my third year, my best year in the league, I'm having a microfracture surgery. And uh, you had like 16, what is it, 15, 16 touchdowns? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't I remember mean, what the exact number. 16 numbers. touchdowns and over a thousand yards. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's a hell of a, a hell of a season, right? You know? And then I got to deal with it and follow it up with microfracture. Right. So right. you know, once you have Michael Fracture, that's one of those, Uh-oh. all right, is the guy going to be the same? Right. And that was... And that was on your ankle? What is that on? my on? knee. It's on your knee. It's on my knee. Yep. Okay. Had no cartilage in the knee, so essentially I'm bone on bone. They go in there to try to drill holes in the knee to see if it could generate cartilage again. Okay. And unfortunately, So that was in the offseason. That was in the offseason. And then season four comes and... Season four comes. I'm not in training camp. I miss all of training camp. Um a, Everything but the last week. I come off the PUP list, which I shouldn't have done. Right. Regretted that's, it. That, that's physically unable to perform. Right. For, for those of you who who don't who aren't with the lingo. Exactly. Anyways, go, <laughs> go ahead. I, I regretted it 110%, but this is at a point in time where the whole offseason, um, we got a coach saying, you know what, we drafted Ryan Williams last year in the second round, and if Beanie's not back, we're going to have Ryan here in play to be our guy. So he was kind of pitting little subtle hints out there in the media and right, then me being right. the guy that doesn't want to disappoint, wants to be out <laughs> Once there. Once again, here we go. Right? Exactly. Yeah. I yeah. want to go. Yeah. The hell with it. Take me on PUP. I'll grind through this thing. Worst decision of my career. Really? Because you, you came back too quickly. Came back too quickly, and yeah. I knew it. And I knew it in my mind when I'm out there in practice, when I'm practicing, that I'm not the same. And right. the, the other players were saying, I mean, what are you doing out here? 
hey, I'm fine. I'm telling myself I'm fine. Yeah. And knowing when I go home at the end of the day, my knee is swollen up and oh, I'm no good to anybody. Brutal. That's brutal. But on top of that, I'm still playing the second game of the year. I get a Liz Frank injury. And you know what a Liz Frank, I mean, with the toe. I mean, those things oh, are sometimes right, career right. enders for a lot yeah. of individuals. So I get a Liz Frank on my left foot while dealing with an injury. The rest of that year, I am on the eight-week IR, first year of the eight-week IR. On the eight-week IR, the entire time, I get a little bit healthier. Still never the same. Wish I would have went on the whole year IR just, just, yeah, at this point. The whole year. Yeah, but yeah. here I am kind of wanting to, yeah. to come back and be the, the competitor and uh, just didn't go right whatsoever. Go right, yeah. So so what is that? So then you go to – did they cut? What happened? Was there, Your contract was up with the team? Or? So they, they ended up cutting me and fired the head coach, fired the GM. We get the new GM in there. He ends up cutting me in, like, April. Who was that? Graves was the GM when you Graves were there? Graves was the GM. Steve Kahn. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we had Graves and uh, Wizard Hunt as a coach. Right, right. And right. now it's the GM, Steve Kahn. Okay. Yeah. Um, so so uh, you leave there, you get – and then you and then you what you jump over to Baltimore right you went over to Baltimore for some workouts mm-hmm. and it just the injuries that was that was it right I mean yeah. that was pretty much that was the end of the career that, just right. like that exactly I, mean, I go over to Baltimore for a workout and in that workout <clears throat> and they were telling me they told me the entire time that entire we're gonna sign we just want to see you come run around run around yeah so I'm running around ran a good forty and all that stuff and I go to run a route and I hear this big ass Pop. Oh, Pop loud through the room. You could hear it. It was my Achilles. Oh, my God. And at that point, it was like. Oh, shit. That was probably. That was was it. it. That was it. And I I tried to come back after that. Did you know? Like, when you popped, I mean, you probably must have fallen right to the ground. Oh, you knew immediately. Yeah, it it had to be horrible. The worst pain in your life. One of the worst pains. You know what? It it really wasn't the most pain. It was one of the more shocking pains because it felt like somebody just kicked you in the back of the leg. Yeah. And you fell down. I looked around like, did I just trip over somebody? Wow. And I didn't, and uh, that was pretty much it, man. I ended up having wow. to have a second surgery on my Achilles going through the rehab process that required a cadaver tendon. And, and the rest is history. Exactly. So there you go. Uh, for everyone listening, this is this is exactly, I wanted to set the stage um, to get to this point because you get to, you hear it from, from Beanie's story here, you know, 15, 16 years old, um, the limelight's been shining bright for mm-hmm. for half your life at that. What, what, when did you finish? Uh, twenty? What were you? Twenty six, twenty seven? When you finished NFL? Twenty five. Twenty five. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for the past ten or eleven years of his life, um, the, the limelight's on you. The spotlight's right. on you. <laughs> Everyone cares about you. You're mm-hmm. the man. You're the man. You're the man. And now all of a sudden, NFL's over. You know it's over. Um, were you able to accept that it was over? Or did you think maybe there would still be another year or two down the road you'd come back? Um. Do you remember that feeling? Or? It was tough for me. I think at that point, honestly, I was just so mentally drained right? from you right. know dealing with the injuries, trying to come back. And I always prided myself on not being one of those guys that didn't know when was when. Right. And, well, that's a good point. And, and at this point in time, and my body was so beat up, I was like, you know what, man? I can't keep on going. I can barely run as it is. I can't keep on trying to go out and attain this dream when – Hell, at this point, I'm 25 years old. There's a whole another crop of kids right. that just came out that's going to be trying to go at the same dream. Yeah. I'm behind the eight ball. Eight yeah. ball. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, these guys <laughs> are coming younger, healthier. They're going to be less expensive than me because I'm a, a veteran at this point in time. I mean, true. I got to hang this thing yeah. up. I got to figure out what the hell is going on and what's going to be next. So, 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 tell us a little bit about that. Where, where, where are you at? Then you go back to Columbus. And yeah. then you say, "Hey, man, I got to figure out what I'm doing next in my life." So, how do you how do you then start to figure that out? I mean, I, I think for the most part, I kind of had some sort of idea on you know what I wanted to do once I got done playing, and mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of going to the media world. I, I wanted to, you know, work on TV as all football players and ex athletes want. I want to be on Fox Sports. I want to be on ESPN. I want right. to be on the big screen. Right. Um, so I started working in some local TV and some. Some local radio, and you know, I kind of found my niche in the local radio. And was, How did you get into that? Did, did, did Heller help you over at the Bartolo, or did those so guys help you? Heller did. Heller did uh, help me a ton with the radio. I mean, he knew a guy by the name of Todd Markowitz at the time, who was uh, he was our is the head of our sales department at the radio station. Okay, just got promoted to the GM <clears throat> of the entire station. Right. Um. Recently, 
Um, he knew Todd. Todd ended up setting up a meeting for me to meet with the program director there. I ended up doing a guest spot. This is at the time when Ohio State went to the national championship with Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. Doing a guest spot just to call in an interview, um, talking about the game in Ohio State. And uh, they liked it, wanted me to come back in studio. And uh, from there, man, the rest was history. That's great. That's great. So that, that kind of launched you into the TV stuff. Right. <clears throat> and then did you start getting involved in anything else, other businesses, other opportunities outside of that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I own... A few restaurants in Columbus. Okay. Um, I own a trucking company I and mean, daycare and all that. Really? No, I know the trucking company. Co- I, I don't know about the yeah. daycare. I knew the yeah. trucking company. The trucking mm-hmm. company is doing well. Right? Yeah, the yeah, trucking company is doing well. How many trucks do you have now? Uh, 13. 13? Yeah, man, 13 last time I over talked the, to the road. You, I think you had like four. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm at 13 over the road and six dump trucks. So, guys, if you need freight moved, yeah. call, call Beanie's. <laughs> What's the name of the company? Wells Porter Trucking LTD. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you're getting involved in all these businesses. You have your advisors. Again, like you said, have people that you could trust right. around you that's going to help you with your transition exactly. into the next life. But but even deeper than that, like like I was kind of mentioning to you before, before we went on air here, it was I see so many guys, so many ex-players, guys that I've worked with, guys that I know, guys I don't know. Mm-hmm. Just, just I see people on the social media. And... One of the common things is is whenever there's a, a TBT or an FBF, Throwback Thursday right. or Flashback <laughs> Fridays or whatever you call uh-huh. them, uh, these guys will take every opportunity from, you know, five, six, seven, ten years ago to post a picture. And, you know, and, and I think what it does, it's nice because, you know, you still have your, your, your college day. I'm going back right. to your college day posting. A, mm-hmm. Or whenever there's the NFL draft and you're posting a picture. But, but so these guys right now are living back from six, seven years ago and going, oh, shit, man, do I really miss that? But when they were in that moment, when a lot of these guys had that opportunity, they were making the big paychecks, they were on TV all the time, people were coming up to them. I feel like a lot of the guys, maybe it's just as human beings, just kind of take those opportunities. When you're in it, you take it for granted. Mm -hmm. When you're out of it, you wish you were back in it. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, you you certainly... Take it for granted. I mean, while you're there, I mean, hey, because it's normal to you. Yeah. At that point in time, it's normal. This is what you do for a living. This is what you've been doing your entire life. And when you get out of it, I mean, you certainly miss it. Um, and, and certain guys have an identity crisis because that's, that becomes that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. So much that's of who they are, they don't know how to separate themselves from it. Right. They do not whatsoever know how to separate themselves. And I mean. I tweet about it all the time. I'm actually trying to pull up a tweet here on my phone. I'm getting bad service here in the basement. Are you? Okay. <laughs> I got Sprint. <laughs> but I'm also I'm looking for it. And, you know, I tweet about it, and it. I say something along the lines of, you know, if your best days at 30 years old are behind you, then something's wrong. You need to really reevaluate exactly. your life. Exactly. Are you getting service here? here? I just can't pull up. I just pulled up your Twitter. It's on my Instagram page. I oh, it's on yeah. Instagram. Okay. Um but if, if your best days are, are behind you, man, it's uh, if your best something days, wrong. If your best days were between 25 or 20 and 30 years old, right? And now you have no purpose in life. Exactly. Football is no longer there or basketball, any sport. Pick any pro, pro sport you've mm-hmm. been playing your whole life. All those paychecks aren't there anymore. Uh, the fans dwindle away slowly but surely. Exactly. Right? I mean, uh, most guys, you, you know, your time has come and gone when it's come to that. So... I think this is a big problem for a lot of guys is how do I find my, my purpose in mm-hmm. life after sports? I, I've known nothing but sports. Right. How do these guys, how do you find something that, I mean, is do you have advice how, you know, somebody can transition into making themselves feel that purpose again? Right. I mean, I think, it, I think it's just find out what makes you happy. Yeah. Yeah. At one point in time, sports made us happy. But was it because you were playing the game, or was it because of everything else that came with it? Right. So, I mean, figure out what, That's a good point. what truly will make you happy. Or, yeah, maybe maybe if it's staying in sports, coaching a kid's team. Exactly. Like LG. I saw Larry, mm-hmm. you know, Larry's coaching, I think, a high school high football, school football team. team, right? Yeah, back and, in California, I think, is where he is. And if that makes you truly happy just being around a game, be around a game. I mean, there's right, so many opportunities exactly. uh, to coach, but it's, is it – what came with it? Is it was it the money? Was it the the fame? The was it the women at that point in time? And then right. 
I mean, if it is those things, then you got deeper issues. Right. You got you <laughs> exactly. truly have deeper issues right. that you need to kind of figure out and, and kind of, uh, you know, separate yourself from. Yeah. But it, it's about, you know, finding that true happiness. And it's not an easy thing to do, as I sit here and say it, because it's hard. I mean, it was Look hard. At some of your old ex-teammates, too. I mean, what are, the, the, what are these guys doing, some of them do, doing now? They've, they've taken jobs at other places? Right, or? yeah, I man, a lot of them taking jobs. I mean, yeah. and some of those guys have taken jobs out of necessity that, you know, to. I just need yeah. to take a job, and it's not actually making me happy and fulfilling that passion of mine. But yeah. A mean, lot of guys don't walk away with a lot of cash. No, I mean, and that's and another that's unfortunate part. I mean, that's the problem. At some point, and I think the number one thing comes with when you stop playing, they think everybody don't doesn't know that you just stopped playing. Yeah. Like, I know you're not getting the same check that you were just getting. Why don't you act right. like you know you're yeah, not getting right, the same exactly. check that you were just getting? <laughs> so you got to live a little bit differently. Exactly. And you got to adjust, man. You got to adjust. And that's the hardest thing for people to kind of understand. I remember I was with my financial advisor um, when I was playing. He was like, you better adjust now. Before you be forced to adjust, it's one thing to adjust on your own accord Absolutely. and budget money on your own accord Absolutely. than to be forced to do it. And if right. you're forced to do it, it's not going to be a happy situation because you're going to be depressed. You're going to go through so many different issues because that means you just lost a ton of everything that you just had yeah. because you weren't really taking care of it from the beginning. So and easy you, to do it the first you, time. You blew, you blew your opportunity. Exactly. Most people don't have those opportunities. Right. Twenty one years old. To be making you know, like thirty thousand dollar checks per week, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, man, I think that this is this is to me is something that that uh, I really wanted to to dig in there with you. I see it so. Many, listen, man, I, even when I was getting out of the agent business, I was in the agent business for three and a half years, and even I had problems when I was transitioning into my family business because mm -hmm. the agent business for me there was some real highs in that. You know, right. seeing a client get drafted. Mm -hmm. Having a having a Beanie Wells tell you he's, he, I guarantee you, DeBartolo and those guys were jumping for joy the day you committed to him. <laughs> like when you have a player that commits to you, that you know that you just beat out every other mm -hmm. agent for, there was those some real real high emotions in that in that you know. So when I was transitioning into something totally different right. than sports agency defense contracting, we didn't have those kind of those you know crazy spikes of emotion. Mm -hmm. Even for me, that was tough, and that's nothing compared to these guys that have, you know, that have had the limelight shining on them all these years of their lives. So, you know, to me, I just, I just hope that these these players can find ways to, like you said, find something that's going to make you happy. And if it's staying around sports, stay around sports. It might yeah. not be that you just play, you know, coach, do something, you know, something along. It's lines. not like, and the one thing is, I mean, it's not like I can't tell you what your passion is. Mm. You have to find that. You have to go out and do different things. And I know a lot of guys that deal with depression, deal with anxiety issues. Hell, I'm uh, one of them. I deal with anxiety issues. Sure. Um, but you have to find what it is that you like, what it is that you're comfortable doing, what it is that make you happy. Absolutely. No one can sit here and tell you what your passion is going to be. So it's no easy answer in terms of, uh, you know, how do I get uh, out of this funk that I'm in or how do I yeah. get in a better situation? I mean, you have to answer. You got to go deep too, man. You got exactly. So you know the players. The players have to realize they're not alone, man. This is a exactly. common thing. No doubt. Them. When you said it perfectly, identity crisis. Mm -hmm. That's what exactly what it is, man. They go, "Who am I now? What am I going to do for the next fifty years of my life? Right. You know, what, what am I going to do to find that my happiness, mm -hmm. my joy, my whatever it is? I think for the these guys that are ex ex professional players, you have to first start and just accept the fact that this is it man this is the cycle mm -hmm. this is father time kicks in for right. you well you know at all different stages mm -hmm. be fortunate that you had the opportunity to do it in the first place cuz most people could never do it most people didn't have the talent to do it and the ones that had the te most people didn't have the the ability to get to the ultimate level like a professional level right. so if you made it to the pros even for 2 years mm -hmm. or a year or two or 3 whatever just be grateful, man. Be grateful for that journey, right? You can take no that with you it. forever. You no can take question. That. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you have enough guys that are grateful for it because, I mean, you know what type of world we're living in this day. Social media is right there. Yeah. So the minute somebody signs a, a lucrative contract, it's right. right there on the phone. Right. You can praise them for it. The minute somebody sucks or the minute somebody gets cut, it's right there on you your phone. You can rip them up for it. And a lot of people's identity and who they are has been tied to people praising them so highly that when they're no longer praising them anymore, 
or when they not even acknowledge them, I mean, they just disappear. They crawl into a bubble. Yeah, yeah. Um, it can break. I mean, you, it, you, it can. I'm not seeing it happen. You got to you choose how you want to. I mean, right? You got to be. You got to go deep, man. You I, gotta go I, I've seen a guy that's played football in a national. He only played a year and a half, but went in this bubble and didn't figure out. So he was done playing when he was 22 years old. Didn't figure out what was going to be next until he was 20, or sorry, till he was 32. Ten years. Yeah, it took him ten, ten years, years to kind of figure out. Okay, man, I need to cut this fake facade, this fake dream out, and I need to deal with reality right, and face right. reality and not to be afraid to move on exactly. and deal with life. Exactly. Um, Don't be afraid. No, Don't exactly. be afraid, man. You can't. You can't be afraid. You have to bless the situation, mm-hmm. accept the situation, and realize that you know it's part of a journey. You right. know, it's part of your journey. Make it part of your journey and uh, accept it. So thank you for that. That, that to me, is something that, that uh, I really wanted to kind of focus on because Again, it, it's it, I wanted to paint the whole picture with someone like you from beginning to end, and now here you are doing your thing. You got these businesses, mm-hmm. you're doing restaurants. Are you happy? Are you happy with be, like? Do you still have that urge at all? Like, damn man, I wish I was still playing. Or are you kind of <laughs> moved on and, and happy to? Every to now and then it creeps up in like, oh man, I wish I was able to yeah. do this a little you, bit differently. You see, you see the game, you go. Then oh, I see the I hits, can... and then I see the like the Ryan Shazier's situation. Shazier's situation, and I'm like, that, yeah. Hell no, I don't miss it. I mean, and, I, and I read an article the other day about the CTE stuff. It's real. And Larry, did you see this article I from did. About Larry uh, Larry Johnson and no the Washington question. Post? I mean, that's scary as hell. That's ridiculous. You know, it's it's so scary. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think people really even know what it is yet. Exactly. Right. I I'm, mean, did, did you ever have any of those, you know, feelings uh, with the the? It's a it's a neurological disease. Right. That exactly. Don't know what we're talking about it's it, a brain disease. No, I never really had any of those feelings, but I mean, it's scary. Because a lot of guys don't know when it's going to come on. At what point is it going to all of a sudden creep up in and hit you? Yeah, because they, you know, like they, they said the Junior Seau who took his own life. Remember Junior? Mm-hmm. Obviously a stud player. And they even said Aaron Hernandez uh, probably yeah. had it. So Chris Benoit. And Larry Johnson they're talking about. Remember Chris Benoit, a wrestler? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has it too, huh? Yeah, he had it. Killed his wife, killed his kid, killed oh, himself. that's right. And they were tracing it back Holy to concussions shit. and maybe he had CTE. Yeah, this is I mean, a scary thing. It's a scary. I don't think we even know what it is. Yet, right. To be honest, how, how deep it is. Are your boys playing football? Flag football. Flag football. Are I'm, you going to let them play? No, I'm, they'll probably have to wait until they get to middle school to play uh-huh. tackle football. How old are your sons? Six and eight. Okay. Six and eight. Okay. Yep. They love it. They want to play right now. Yeah. But. I've seen those boys too, man. <laughs> hey, don't get me wrong. Those kids look like they can play for the high school right. team right now, man. These kids. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, what's your take on that, man? What's your take about letting your letting your boys play? For, I mean, I think it's always going to be a preference thing. Um, you know, when John Adams said, you know, I study war and politics, uh, so my kids can study art and and, uh, and math. I played right. football; they don't have to do it anymore. I mean, we got out of the bad situation that I grew up in, so they don't have to go out and do it. Right. Um, right. So yeah, I mean, I, if it makes them happy, You'll eventually like one day I'll let them go ahead and do it, but. Right now, not when Dad has the majority to say. Now, and, and is it because because of that? Because oh, yeah. of the physical the aspect I mean, of it. Yeah, I'm that's... beat up now. I need a knee replacement. And hell, I'm yeah. 29 years old. Right, <laughs> so. right, right. So it's it, it is real, man. It's yep. a it's a tough thing. I was interested in that. Let's uh let's finish it up, man. Like I said, I really appreciate you. Oh, no problem, man. Uh, thank you. This is awesome. Um, thank you. This is going to be, I think, our first official launch episode. So really appreciate you doing that. Thank you, man. And uh, let me finish this off uh, with a few quick hits. All right. So all I'm right. going to just shoot out something. Um, I'm going to start with just say somebody's name or something and give me the first word that comes to your mind. All right. All right. Coach Jim Trussell. One word. Amazing man. Uh, LeBron James. Goat. <laughs> you guys came from the similar area too, uh-huh. coming, growing up. Uh, University of Michigan, awful. <laughs> Turn off your radios, Detroit. Yep. Um, best player you ever played with at any level. Man, that's a tough. tough. That's a tough one because there's so many different. How about best offensive player you ever played with? Oh, that's <laughs> I mean, I go Larry Fitzgerald, but I play with Kurt Warner. I play with Antoine Bowden. I mean, Fitz is real. Fitz is, and he's still going, man. Yeah, I mean, Fountain of Youth. He just got another contract, Mm -hmm. I think. That's crazy. (laughs) How about the uh, best Ohio State running back of all time? Man, this is, I love Archie. I love Zeke. I mean, damn. I got to go Arch because Arch has the two Heisman trophies, but Zeke is, 
Zeke was another animal, man. I, I was hoping you were going to say Beanie Wells, <laughs> but hey, what do you have? The fourth, fourth most rushing yeah. yards. Yep, fourth uh-huh. most rushing yards there. That's that's awesome. Uh, last question for you: uh, advice that you'd give today to your younger self, looking back in your early twenties, for example. Be What's patient. the best advice? Be patient. Don't rush the process. Enjoy it. I graduated with a high school early to go down to Ohio State. I left Ohio State early to go to the league. I don't know if I'll change that one, but don't rush the process, man. Just enjoy it. Awesome, man. Thanks for being here. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you. Thanks. All right.